How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sendscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how are you, sir? Do you know what that was the sound of? It's that bad, isn't it? Yup. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so, for those who are listening, it is Sunday night, and the Senators are playing the Winnipeg Jets... Tim, currently, what is the score of the Sens-Jets game? 5 nothing. For the Jets. Oh, sweet Jesus. How is that, Tim? Tasty? Smooth? It's a Coke, but it's pretty good. That's good. So, Tim, other than the Sens and Jets game, how has your week been? Actually, pretty good. Work's kind of kept me busy, so that's nice, and again, not a lot. Right on. I have to say, my my week's been okay. It's been kind of busy, but nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Although, I do have to say one thing, though. Uh-huh. We got to give a quick shout-out to our bod Dave, because him and Neil went to the Taggart and Torrens live show in Saskatchewan uh-huh. a couple of weeks back, and I asked Dave to pick me up a TNT snapback hat, which I already have one, but it's a, signed by Taggart and Torrens. So... Dave did me a solid. He picked me up a snapback and he mailed it to me. So I got it on Friday night when I got home from work. So I crack it open. I see the hat like, oh, fucking right on. So I put it on and I was just about to break the box down and I grabbed the packaging inside and I went, wow, this is kind of solid. There was a shot glass in it. Whoa. So we got to give a quick shout out to Dave because Dave sent me a maple syrup shots shot glass. Whoa. Is there a bed attached to this? No, there is no bed attached to this. But I would like to say, if t- Tim, if we ever get to a point where we're big enough to do merchandise, we are not going to be doing third line plug butt plugs. Oh damn! You read my mind. I know, oh. right? I know. Sorry to break it to everybody, but <laughs> you know. Although that would be kind of funny if we did that, but no, we can't do it. Yeah, they just wouldn't sell. Or they would sell surprisingly well. Hmm. So while Neither we're on the... sounds fun. I know. So while we're on the topic of plugs, did you listen to last week's episode? Yeah, I felt it came out pretty good. Given the nature of the episode. Yeah. I'm not going to lie... I kind of didn't listen to it this week because there were so many great podcasts that came out. Terrigan Torrens released their new episode. Maple Syrup Shots did. Jay and Dan did. Hollywood Babylon. There were so many great episodes. And I'm like, uh, I felt so bad that episode nine got lost in the shuffle a bit. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that it's looking back on games two through f- two through five of a five a five game losing streak. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Although, there's one positive, though, Tim. Yeah? It is Season 1, Episode 10, which means we're a tenth of the way to syndication, Tim. Hey, all right. I guess that segues us nicely. Ah, uh, yeah, I would say that. You know, Tim, with all the doom and gloom on Sense Twitter and the games we're going to talk about, it's nice to know that we get to change it up a bit. With the little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Alright, so we gotta give a quick congratulations to Daniel Alfredson, who was named to the International Ice Hockey Federation's Hockey Hall of Fame class for 2017, along with Rob Blake, Chris Chelios, and Yuri Lettinen. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Big Slayer fan, apparently. Huh, crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so 
how are the rules for the IHF uh, Hall of Fame different from uh, the NHL ones, if you don't mind me asking? I do not know, actually, to be perfectly honest with you. Because I don't think Alfredson is yet eligible for the NHL Hall of Fame. No, he is. He was eligible this past year. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he retired in 2014, so 2017 was his first year of eligibility. Okay. Just saying, 2018, baby. Him and Marty, they're going to be headlining. Mm-hmm. And the fact that matters, you're hearing people outside of the Sens bubble talking about it, so it could easily happen. Absolutely. And it's obvious Sens fans are going to say he 100% deserves it, but again, longest tenured captain with one team. Yeah, I can understand, though, from a Sens point of view, because Matt Sundin got in first year, and overall, Alfredson had almost identical numbers as Sundin did, although he was mm-hmm. drafted 132 spots after Sundin was. Several drafts afterwards, you know. Yeah, but... On top of that, you have just Alfredson has something very notable about him, and I would argue more notable than Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin probably just got the buff of playing in Toronto. Although I can argue this because Doug Gilmore was one of the least most beloved players, and he didn't get in for I don't know how many years after he retired. Which is surprising because, like, Dougie and Wendell are probably more notable overall. Yeah, it's a little odd that Matt's got in on first ballot. Yeah. So, Tim, last episode we were talking about the LA Kings mascot and sexual harassment. I can't believe that we're already into episode 10 of our first season and we got to talk about sexual harassment again. Because Sports Illustrated writer Richard Dietsch ran a story he wrote a few years back regarding chronicled sexual harassment towards female sports reporters in the NHL. The article states specific incidents where a female reporter was harassed by a player around the NHL. I didn't get a chance to read the article, but what sort of harassment? Was it like uh, physical touching? Was it just name-calling? Or what sort? what is it? I'm not sure, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I would imagine it would be both of those things but until i actually read the article i still haven't gotten around to reading it but yeah i don't know like i guess in the nature of a locker room anything can really go Hmm. but it's i guess the weight of the action determines the weight of the response yeah yeah i don't really want to go dogpiling nope now but i guess it it no matter what, it's still inappropriate. Absolutely. Now, in light of this, uh, the NHL issued an apology after massive fan backlash regarding a lighthearted video by Anaheim Docs celebrating the NHL's 100th anniversary with Ryan Kessler in his birthday suit. The video was later deleted, and the Ducks also issued an apology on their Twitter account. I don't really get what people got so up in arms about with this. Like, I guess the timing's poor, but... This was really just a nothing video that kind of blew up. Yeah, and personally, I I chuckled. I was like, huh, okay. But yeah, it was an uprage. I understand we live in a day where almost anything anybody can be offended by. Yeah, and like, you can argue the timing is poor, given the conflagration of and revelation of uh, large amounts of uh, sexual abuse, even within the sports and hockey communities, but... I don't think that video was really that much to get worked up about. No, not really. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, Tim, this is a story you actually messaged me about. Now, Radio Canada's Antoine Deshel released a report... Desiree, thank you. Released a report stating that former NHLer Daniel Barrier had revealed an incident that once took place between him and former Canadians head coach Michelle Therrien verbally berating him in front of the team in his upcoming autobiography. Barrera stated that Terrian had stated, there is no one in this room that respects you, there is no one who wants to play with you. Now, I read this article and this is not an isolated incident because Terrian had poor relations with both 
Max Pacioretty, and of course, the most noted be P.K. Subban. Yeah, and this really doesn't look good on uh, Tarion, because like Danny Briere had hardly played, and he was actually one of the better Canadians that season. Mm-hmm. And Tarion just goes in and rips the guy, and uh, one of the things, I found this by uh, skimming through Radio Canada, uh, the French CBC that's uh, the French CBC for non-American, non-Canadian listeners. And uh, if you go through and uh, if you're a Francophone, you can catch that the specific quotes and the way that Danny Briere wrote them, the language is more, like, is incredibly aggressive and very rude. Is it kind of in the way that, like, when the 24-7 thing came out with John Tortorella parading as players in the locker room? Worse language than that. Oh, wow. Like, it's the very construction of the sentence is very incredibly disrespectful. It's the way you'd probably command a bad child while punishing them. Wow, that is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, just the way that it's structured is incredibly aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I think Montreal is definitely better off for getting rid of Tarion and... They think it's just another black mark on uh, Bergevin for keeping uh, a coach like that around for so long. Well, I think that's a black mark on the team as a whole as well for doing that. Mm-hmm. Because there's negative motivation, and then there's just straight-up abuse. Yeah, I feel that this really hurts Tarion's chances of ever getting a job in the NHL again. Yeah. Well, I mean... His last two years of practice with the Canadians should also, like on top of the berating and his output, I don't think ter- we'll ever see Michel Therrien again. So let's move on to our next story. Now, this is an article I sent to you stating you should have a look at this because I wanted to include it for Top of the Air. I don't think I ever mentioned it here on the show. And in fact, I don't think I ever mentioned this to you. This next story is about former Vancouver Canuck Jeff Cortnell. Um, my uncle actually worked for Jeff Cortnell at one point. Really? And I actually, at their Christmas party one year, I actually got to play hockey with Jeff Cortnell, and I totally deked him out of his jock, and I scored. Nice. So the story goes, former Vancouver Canuck forward Jeff Cortnell spoke in an article with a Vancouver son regarding his life after hockey suffering from CTE. Now, understandably, we were talking about CTE a few episodes back regarding Chris Benoit, Cortnell stated that he suffered 12 concussions throughout his career, which led him to having severe post-concussion syndrome for more than a decade. Retired as a St. Louis Blue at the age of 37. Now, this is not very uncommon, as more stories are coming out about pro athletes suffering from CTE and the side effects that they suffer, most notably in the NFL with all the lawsuits going against the league and pro wrestlers suing the WWE over head injuries. So this is not, again, this is not an isolated incident. No. And uh, again, we've seen that we've seen CTE really come to a head in the NHL over the last few years. Uh, A few weeks back on the show, we discussed the like uh, the incredible demise of former uh, Washington capitals enforcer, uh, Chris Peel, where he's basically become homeless because the NHLPA and NHL provide no support. And you have to wonder <clears throat> with the nature of hockey, it, do they like it had, there has to be a ton of changes. Like, I don't think the, the concussion protocol is good enough. Like they're going to have to change the equipment and uh, they're going to have to really crack, de- crack down on headshots and interference and other plays like that. But they've been trying to do that for years. And regarding equipment, and I know Don Cherry was always an advocate for this. He said they shouldn't have the elbows be hard plastic. It should go back to being a sponge. So when Mm -hmm. you get hit, it doesn't completely knock you out. Yeah, definitely. Because that would also reduce the incentive for players to throw the elbow. Because if it's just a sponge, then you're going to get hurt too. Mm-hmm. And you also got to factor in that these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. However, your brain is the same. It doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And 
And yeah, one place where the NHL really has come away is uh, the phasing out of the enforcer. So should we go on to our next story, Tim? Yeah, I think so. Okay. A couple stories ago, we were just talking about the Montreal Canadiens. Former Dallas star Mike Ribeiro has entered rehab for the second time in his career and has officially retired from the NHL. Ribeiro went missing during the offseason and emerged after he was arrested in Florida on trespassing charges. Mike Ribeiro was playing last season for Arizona, right? No, Nashville. Nashville, right. So he goes from being inches from winning a Stanley Cup to arrested for trespassing, for trying to get drugs. I don't think he was playing in the pre in the playoffs. I think he right. had a healthy scratch. Um, however, the reports came out that he had relapsed because he suffers from alcoholism. Okay. Have the reasons for the trespassing charges been uh, discussed? I haven't seen anything about that. I know these kind of trespassing charges are not uncommon among athletes who suffered from addiction. Uh, former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf has been sentenced to, I believe, four years in prison for breaking entry and possession of narcotics. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of substance abuse in hockey culture. Yeah, and we can also point at Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, Jared Stoll over the past five, six, seven years. Or even uh, painkiller abuse among guys like uh, Derek Bugard. Yep, or Derek Bugard. Uh, Theo Fleury was very honest in his book about his cocaine addiction. And it's real shame that drugs are still a very big part of hockey. Now, I understand they're using it to deal with the pain that they're suffering. Again, I, I'm not sure the PA is really doing anything to help set players straight. Well, I'm sure that they're trying their best by sending them to rehab. But outside of that, yeah, I don't think there is much help for them. There is more of a the timed call to do a piss test. But other than that, yeah, there's no real help for these players. Yeah, and you have to wonder if, like, like again, like we're there's a lot of players that we're seeing from Players Tribune where suicidality is a thing as well. So you have to wonder if the mental health support within the league is uh, even there. Yeah, that is definitely something that should be looked at in the NHLPA. Hmm. So let's talk about our next story. Brooks Like has announced his retirement after his contract was terminated by the Los Angeles Kings. This, he's not the first player so far this season whose contract has been terminated and announced his retirement earlier this season. Mark Strait also announced his retirement after his contract was terminated by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I remember earlier in the season we actually talked about Brooks Like being traded from Toronto to Los Angeles. And uh, at the time you called it a low-risk move. And I, yeah, it's... We, I think most people saw it either he gets a few minutes or he's just kind of dead weight. So the fact that termination was an option uh, means that LA is not really handcuffed by a contract they don't want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's about that. Pretty much. So Tim, with all the sad and dark stories we've had to talk about, let's talk about something that really isn't a story, but damn it, this is my podcast, and I'll include whatever the fuck I want on top of the hour. Oh, fuck yeah. We gotta talk about a mascot wrestling match. Oh, this is so good. So this comes <laughs> out of the American Hockey League. Now, when I saw this on Instagram, I first saw that and I went, this is hands down the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, in the American Hockey League, Lee Valley, their team, the Phantoms, mascot, started a wrestling match during intermission in a game versus... The Bridgeport Tigers, the AHL affiliate of the New York Islanders. It included a steel chair shot to the back, a running elbow, and topped it off with a macho man style elbow drop off the ladder. Honestly, I, I love mascot shenanigans. It's I, always so funny. I know. I just got to say one thing. <clears throat> if this was in Philadelphia or Buffalo, they would have done in, what they did in ECW, lit the table on fire and 
just power bombed him through it. Oh god, you couldn't do this in Philadelphia. You know the fans would throw would throw hard shit at the opposing mascot. All I know is you'd have Joey Styles going, "Oh my god!" god. And there'd be like a, a hail of batteries falling from the sky as no, the Philadelphia it been faithful like rain down. As I love to say, this is a city that booed Santa Claus. And threw snowballs at him. Yup. So you know, Yo, Tim... Although, I'm not sure if this beats the time that <laughs> uh, the Chicago Bulls mascot ripped a girl out of the kiss cab and ran her up the staircase. Or what about the time at the Toronto Raptors game where the Raptor ate one of the cheerleaders? <laughs> or the time that Craig, Mata- Craig McTavish ripped off the Calgary Flames mascot's tongue. Oh, I remember that. Oh, that's good. That's funny. So, Tim, I understand that our competition in Sense Podcasting will not include this story on their shows. However, we like to go one step further and include it. And also, I've done the unthinkable. I've gone and created a clip. Now, a clip? A clip. Now, first off, you got to go watch the video first, come back to this part of the episode, and listen to it. And we are going to play it right now. So, Tim, I just got to ask, like, if you were a pro wrestler, which wrestler would you emulate? I imagine you're more of a nature boy Ric Flair sort of cat. Ooh. I I think that nature boy Ric Flair is a pretty good answer. Um, hmm. Trying to think who else I I wouldn't mind. I always got to giggle at the Donald Trump clip of him just going in and destroying Vince McMahon. Oh my god, that is still one of the best WWE clips I ever saw. Oh my god, I still can't believe what uh, Trump posted back in July. Oh my god, what did he post? He took that clip. Yeah. Well, someone made a version of that clip, but replaced McMahon's face with the CNN logo. Oh my god, okay, I did see this. And then Trump posted it. And then (laughs) said, Oh my god, that was awesome. Yeah, then CNN threatened to dox the guy who made it. And people are like, wait, is CNN literally threatening a guy? What the fuck? But the, I, the whole time, I'm like, okay, so the president of the United States has tweeted an image of himself beating up a news corporation. That's awesome. Actually, it's funny you brought Such up CNN years. because Ted Turner once owned World Championship Wrestling. Huh. That ended well. Although WCW, actually, for a while, it had a really good lineup. It did. And I know it's because they simply did what WWE did a decade earlier, except instead of invading all the territories, Ted Turner just threw fucking millions of dollars in guaranteed contracts at everybody. Gotcha. So then they got complacent? Yeah, pretty much. Plus, their booking just got terrible because they let Kevin Nash start booking and then... Vince Russo came over, but that's a totally different story. Let's get mm-hmm. back to hockey. So, the next story we're going to talk about. Habs forward, Jonathan Duran did not travel with the team after their victory versus the Ottawa Senators, which we will sadly Spoilers. talk about tonight, due to Duran suffering a low body, in, low body injury, despite rumors that he had, he had, in fact, forgot his passport before they were to board the plane for Detroit. I really want to know where that passport rumor came out because like I saw it at first I'm like that's weird like I I would be surprised if none of the ha- like any hockey player handles their own passport when they go on go on a trip because losing it would be catastrophic oh absolutely and I know I saw an interview with Gary Payton one time and he said this is why a lot of Different sport, right in the basketball he said this is why a lot of the NBA players never wanted to play for the Raptors because of just the hassle of going across the border. 
to play games. I mean, they liked playing in Toronto because of the nightlife, but they didn't like having to play for Toronto. Yeah, because, like, any time you go on the road, you're crossing the border. Absolutely. Like, I don't think it's at, would be as bad in the NHL, especially in the North, in the Atlantic Division, because half the teams are Canadian, right? Uh, no, sorry, three out, three out of, yeah, it's three out of eight, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. And then you got, yeah, Boston, Tampa, and Florida. Yeah, so that's, I wish I could count. <laughs> While you're counting, let's go on to the oh, next story. I forgot story. Buffalo. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we only got one trade to talk about, and this was a doozy. Now, I talked to my cousin, who is a New Jersey Devils fan. He really likes this trade. And he and I talked about this a while ago. He said that he he knew Adam Henrik was going to be traded. The New Jersey Devils have acquired Sammy Vatnin and a conditional third-round pick in either 2019 or 2020 from the Anaheim Ducks for Adam Henrik, Joseph Blantish, and the Devils' third-round pick in 2018. Personally, I think New Jersey won this because they've been looking to get a right-handed shot defenseman for a while now. Oh, for sure. And honestly, though, I think this trade really works for both teams. Like, New Jersey definitely, like, they get their defenseman in Sammy Vatanen, who is quite good. And uh, the Ducks get to really reaffirm a forward core that's been suffering, like, both suffering from injury and getting older. Yeah, and I know that Henrik's development in New Jersey has sort of stagnated because of the logjam at center with... Nico Hersher and Travis Sajak. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just... This is a trade that works for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I am I really like this trade for New Jersey. And I, I think I like it for Anaheim, too. Like, uh, yeah, you're probably... I, New Jersey probably got the better end of this trade just because high-tier defensemen are so hard to come by, and uh, Anaheim has been truly blessed in that regard. Yeah, and he's still young, too. I think he's, like, 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of upside still left. Yeah, if I knew that uh, Vatanen was available, maybe the Senators shouldn't have gone after Duchesne. <laughs> well, I mean, I argue that because... And I know Ian Mendez was talking about this. What if we didn't go after Duchesne and Turris still walked at the end of the day? That's true. But, yeah, Ottawa is so weak. Like, outside of Carlson and Shabbat... Ottawa's decor is just weak. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. Yeah. So we got to talk about the final story, and it's sad that you brought up Eric Carlson because uh, Eric Carlson stated in an interview with the Ottawa Sun that he will get what he's worth on the market, no matter, no matter what, no matter who he gets it from. Regardless, uh, this has caused Sens fans to become nervous of the possibility that Carlson will leave the Sens in free agency. Now, this story, first of all, the story came out because Drew Doughty had talked to The Athletic, saying that he was going to be staying in contact with Eric Carlson and talking back and forth on how much he's going to get and how much Doughty's going to get, because they both said they are both better than Subban. I kind of argue that. I think, personally, I think Subban's a little bit better than um, Drew Doughty, but that's my personal opinion. However, that's Ian, so fucking savage to sue bad though. Hey. Oh, I know, but I know Ian Mendes again said this in an interview. He says he's not in panic mode right now. He says if Carlson goes into training camp next season without an extension, that's a red flag. But until he leaves, it's not shut and done. Yeah, and I cannot imagine Pierre Dorian lets Carlson walk. No. But you also Unless gotta... Carlson has such an abhorrent season that the math changes. Yeah, but you also got to factor in uh, Senators keeping their star players has not been something they've been good at, especially when you look at Jason Spezza, Daniel Alfredson, Mark Mathot. Now, all three are different in their own way with Alfredson leaving in free agency over $500,000. And I understand that Eugene Melnick's looking to sell the Senators... However, if Carlson leaves, Eugene's not going to get as big of a number for the team if he walks. 
Mm-hmm. So this is why they have to re-sign him if he wants to sell the team. Well, not just that, but if Carlson walks, the fan base is gone. Well, because I think this the fan is base another just... star player that ownership nickeled and dimed out of the city. That will kill any morale that the team... Like, people are already not happy that it appears Turris was out the door because of nickel and diming. If Carlson goes, that will be a huge, huge hit to fan morale. Yeah, I think... And you have to admit, the Senators will, will not be a good team if Eric Carlson it leaves for nothing. No, but you also got to factor in, if Carlson does leave, then... Like, I don't know, really. I mean, the best defenseman we would have is Thomas Shabbat, who is looking really good at the moment, but he's not Eric Carlson-level good. Mm-hmm. Like, there would be an open rev- like an open revolt in the city, and uh, if you think attendance is bad now, it would be brutal if Carlson is gone due to money reasons. Yep. Alright, so that ends top of the hour for this episode. So, Tim, we got to talk about the two games from this past week. The Senators game versus the Montreal Canadiens and the Sands versus the Islanders. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> hey, Tim. Yeah? Can we get an update on the Jet-Sens games at the moment? Uh, the game has just ended. Instead of giving you a score update immediately, I will read you uh, a great tweet from our friend and fellow Ottawa Twitter man, Ian Mendez. Oh, Tip okay. the hat to Sens fans who hung in there and stayed with that game from start to finish. There's nothing to be excited about. Really? That bad? Yeah. The score was 5 nothing for the Jets, where Ottawa barely mustered 20 shots, and uh, ne- other than uh, a few players didn't really show up. The final shot clock was 20 shots for Ottawa, 50 for the Jets. 5-0. Oh, Jesus. Well, it's nice to know we're getting that out of the way, just so we don't have to talk about it next week. Holy shit. Oh, I think by- we can wrap around and talk about I'll it at just, the end. Which, by the way, I'll just scratch that out. No, we don't have to talk about that game next week. However, we still got to talk about the games from this week. And we'll start with the Ottawa Senators versus the Montreal Canadiens. This was a 2-1 to one Canadiens victory. Sens goals were scored by Mark Stone. Canadiens goals were scored by Philip Dano and Jonathan Drouin. Shots were 31-28 for the Montreal Canadiens. Not a great game overall by the Ottawa Senators. However, Montreal was the team that ended up getting all the chances. <coughs> Referees. Mark Stone scored in the first period to make it 1-0 after deflecting the Canadian shot. Drew Ann scored to tie it after a total BS penalty shot to make it 1-1. Dano scored to make it 2-1 after cruising in in front of Condon and putting the shot past him. Ottawa got a couple more chances but couldn't bury him. This was a weird game because I feel like both teams played pretty bad but I feel like Ottawa deserved better in this game because without that penalty shot, Montreal probably doesn't score the second goal. Let's talk about that penalty shot because I watched it and I'm... Now, granted, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game, but I watched enough that I can talk about this game. What the fuck? That That's a penalty shot? Are you kidding yeah, me? Like it's, that was such a bush call. Like, CeCe... Like, don't get me wrong, CC shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Like, CC gave up that breakaway clean, and that's not good. Nope. But, uh, CeCe, that was a clean stick lift. He didn't touch the hand, he didn't touch the body, he didn't even re- reach around and impede, impede his skating. Like, if that's a penalty shot, then are you even allowed to touch a guy on a breakaway anymore? No, well, I guess if you play for the Montreal Canadiens, you're not allowed to touch him. But I thought that rule only applied for Carey Price. Yeah. Uh, speaking about things that only apl- that apply and don't apply to uh, Carey Price, how about the concussion spotter? Oh my god, yeah. Let's talk about that, Tim. Yeah, so uh, 
later in the period, the Canadian's net gets crashed with the help of Andrew Shaw. Uh, Zach Smith falls into Carey Price. Carey Price falls down, hits his head, starts agonizingly holding his head. Play gets called. Skates around pretty staggered, but is allowed to go back to the net. Oh, Jesus. Hey, maybe like, it's the same concussion spotter that was working for Pittsburgh in the playoffs last year with Sidney Crosby. Now, here's the thing. If he's, like, rolling around like that and then just says, Nah, dog, I'm fine, you need to have some sort of mechanism in place so that doesn't get abused. Do you think he was maybe embellishing the play a little bit? Oh, Carey Price is a flopper. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, well, he's not the only guy on that team who's a flopper. Mm-hmm. Gallagher. Drewang. Yeah, it's just... That was brutal. And even in the first and second, the Senators were... They were moving the puck well. They were keeping the Canadian stay outside, and they looked fine. But one, it's just... Sorry, one note I could just kind of mention about Kerry Price <laughs> is that stick save after the Sens dumped it in, and it was a total rock'em, sock'em hockey sort of play where they bounced it off the boards, and he got back just in the nick of time to stop it. That was actually a pretty good one. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was actually a pretty nice save. Yeah, it's just, again, really frustrating. Because I think that's a game that the Senators for once deserved better. Mm-hmm. But at this point, yeah, that makes it games lost six in a row. Well, now we've come to the game where we lost seven in a row. Ottawa Senators versus the New York Islanders. Oh, sorry. No, this is the game that we broke the streak, Tim. Six Woo! to five Senators. Sends goals were scored by Ryan DeSingle with two. Bobby Ryan, Mike Hoffman, Zach Smith, and Thomas Schaubot with his first. That's fucking awesome. Oh, and also to mention, uh, Anders Lee with two. Jason Chimera, Anthony Belvillier, and Andrew Ladd for the New York Islanders. Shots were 37-35 the New York Islanders. I like the one note I put in here. I said, defense? Fuck that. Offense all day, baby. Oh, jeez. And both teams were going at oh each other God. on waves. It was fucking nuts. Anderson and Thomas Grice just looked awful. However, Condon and Halact actually looked pretty decent in that game. Mm-hmm. And honestly, credit to Condon for keeping the Sens in that game with two beautiful third-period saves. Oh my god, it was so good. And I love how you messaged me that day and you're like, Taylor, my my podcast co-host and likely best friend, you have to watch <laughs> that whole game. I looked at that and I responded, what the fuck do you mean, likely? <laughs> I don't keep those sort of scores, so I don't know. That's okay, neither, neither do I. But One I did take I... your wood for it. I watched the whole game. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, and this one's just, it's a lot of cool stuff happened. Like, uh, I think I'm going to bring up the only bad note in the game was uh, the refs kind of blew it. Oh, absolutely. They had two just terrible calls against the Senators in the first period. One of them was that bullshit too many men on the ice call, which there was, what, five guys on the ice? Yeah, and, like, there was one guy stepping back onto the bench. Or, like, even the... MSG guys didn't know what the heck that call was. And we also got to mention, there was that one call, I believe it was Hoffman. The checking was, to the head. Yeah, the hit from behind. When when was that ever a penalty? I've never known that to be a call. Well, what happened was Zach Smith had a really bad check to the head, and then Hoffman cross-checked someone into the boards. Both of those are pretty, really bad hits. And they called the illegal check to the head, and if that was the case, they should have taken Smith, but they ended up taking Hoffman instead. So yeah, I think the Smith, what people should, were the thinking Smith call were, should have been counted. So what they ended up finding, what people are thinking is either they meant to call both of them, which would have been legitimate, or they only meant to call Smith and fucked up and took Hoffman. I think they fucked up, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, how do you do that? I don't know. Let's talk about Bobby Ryan's first goal. 
But let but before we do that, let's talk about Thomas Shabbat, baby. One oh, goal, two oh, assists oh. for three points. Hands down, the best player in this game. Oh, and he looked poised on his goal, too. Like, Ottawa's doing their usual lazy moving around puck on the power play. And then all of a sudden, Shabbat keeps the puck in the zone, pushes it back, then finds himself a slot of open ice. And he's just like, give me the puck, give me the puck, give me the puck. Gets it, wires it top corner of the net. That's a shot we haven't seen since the days of Sedano Chara. Yeah. And... If Shabbat's this confident, this smooth skating, and knows the ice this well at age 20, oh, baby, we got a legit defenseman. Oh, I know. If he can keep this up, then Guy Boucher has no choice but to keep him in the lineup. Well, the fact of the matter is, is none of the other defensemen played even remotely this well. Oh, absolutely not. Including Eric Carlson, who's just looked terrible these past few games. Yeah, let's talk about that, because I noticed that, too. Carlson has been very sluggish out there, so it really comes down to, is his foot still bothering him? Because, and I know we talked about this, I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode previous, where we talked about maybe the Senators rushed him back too early. I think that's entirely possible, because, like, Carlson's not... Like, the foot speed isn't there. He's not making his usual dy- like dynamite plays. He's not moving the puck as much, and he's not able to keep the puck from crossing the blue line in the offensive zone. Like, I know playing Cody Cece above him is not the answer, but I don't think Carlson would have has really earned a lot of... He hasn't really been playing at the, the level we know he's capable of. And that's a recipe for disaster if that continues for him and the rest of the senators yeah sorry tim you were saying about bobby ryan and his first goal it we knew it was going to be a dirty goal <laughs> yeah it was Fanuf just throws this to the net clips bobby in the skate and then it goes yeah i love bobby's reaction being like oh i scored all oh, right on and bobby ryan actually looked pretty good for the rest of the game yeah i thought he looked pretty decent too actually like Duchesne's assist, primary assist on the Tavares goal, sorry, the his, on Zach Smith's goal was fucking beautiful too. Well, Zach Smith's goal in general was just a beautiful shot that he just mm-hmm. cruised right in down Main Street. Yeah, but Duchesne getting that puck was just a work of how good Duchesne is. Like, he he kept fighting that puck, even at, like, and Tavares just couldn't get away until Duchesne managed to fight from being a few steps behind Duchesne to being in front of him to having control of the puck, dishing it beautifully to Zach Smith. Oh, I know. It was a work of art, man. Yeah. If the Sens can play like that night in and night out, then maybe they can climb out of this hole. Well, turns out they couldn't because after you mentioned about the Jets-Sens game. Yeah. Also, one thing I noticed is the Islanders have Dennis Seidberg and Jason Chimera. Yep. I didn't know either of them still played. Yeah, they're kind of like the Carolina Hurricanes in a way, where you look at their lineup and be like, Michael Layton? Lee Stepniak? These guys are still in the NHL? Yeah, like, especially because Seidenberg, like, Seidenberg used to be, uh, like, a top-line, cent- sorry, a top-line defenseman with Char, and then all of a sudden, age hit him like a truck. Yep. Yes, like, he went from being excellent to being just pure garbage. Yeah. Like, he might not actually be bad in a, in a third-line role, to be honest. No, I think if you play him in a limited role, he could be a pretty decent or a somewhat productive player anyways. You mean if he got he got minutes Johnny Oduya should have? Yep. Yeah, like, that game was just... It was fun to watch all around. Absolutely. And then Shabak getting a primary assist on Ryan Dezingle's game winner. I know. That was such a nice goal, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, I know I said it last week that you can't call Ryan Dezingle no hands just because his his shooting percentage is actually still above league average. Right. And, well, he potted, too. One final note. I just got to... Sorry, Tim. One final note I got to mention, because we were talking about wrestling earlier. I like how the Islander fans mimic Daniel Bryan's yes chant. I like I kind of like that. Yeah. 
Well, I just love teams that have cool and fun chants like that. I know. Now, only if their mascot had put somebody through a flaming table, this game would have well, been perfect. I would have watched that. Me too. All right. Well, Tim, that wraps up the games for the week. Now, should we talk a little bit more about the Jets game? Yeah, might as well. So, uh, since Tay so lovingly posted on Twitter, woke up from a nap, how is it 3 nothing? Yeah, and then you responded, oh, do ya, Cece? They were literally on the ice for all three games. Sorry, for all three of those goals against. And, yeah, let's, since it's a ga- the game's now over, 5 nothing Jets, let's just give a quick wrap-up of... Well, how that shit show happened. Okay. Now, while you're doing that, Tim, I'm going to go onto our Twitter because I wanted to mention something to you that I saw. So so while you're looking that up, I will look up what I'm going to look up here. Okay. So, scoring is as follows. First period, we had Mark Shifley scores his 14th this season from Wheeler and Bufflin on a power... On a power play, Ottawa took within the first two minutes of the game for too many men. Uh, the too many men penalty again was questionable, but what are you going to do? Uh, a theme of the night tonight, you, which you will soon notice, is that Winnipeg, with one of the most productive power, power plays in the NHL, kept getting fed power play opportunities by an undisciplined Ottawa team. They converted on three of five. Oh my god. Matthew Perot scored about four minutes afterwards, and that wraps up scoring in the first period, a period where you cannot say anything other than the Jets dominated, with the Jets getting 19 shots on the period compared to Ottawa's three. Really? We got shot outshot 19-3? Yep. Oh it gets worse. In the it gets period, worse? How the hell can it get worse, Tim? I'll tell you how it gets worse. Ugh. In the second period, uh, Blake Wheeler gets a very nice, like a very nice goal from just great work by Shifley and uh, CC No Deer nowhere to be seen. So Blake Wheeler gets a clean shot on a Mike Condon moving across just to cover a pass that just needed to be broken up. Blake Wheeler, score, Blake Wheeler scores a seven on the se- season from Shifley and Perot. Now, Ottawa takes an ill-advised penalty from Dion Phaneuf doing a retarded cross-check. Oh, Jesus. As the ref is uh, skate, as the ref is skating by the bench, Ryan Dezingle decides it's a great time to chirp the ref. And uh, Ryan Dezingle gets an abusive language, an abusive language bench minor. Well, this is the second one that's gone against us this season. As you recall, Zach Smith got a abuse of a referee penalty earlier this year. Yeah, and at this point, the Ottawa Senators were com- officially completely unhinged. And Guy Boucher puts Oduya and Cece out for a five-on-three. What you expect happens. Patrick Laine scores just a very nice goal. I like Patrick Laine. I think he's a great player. Well, he is an excellent sniper, and if you put him, Wheeler, Bufflin, and Shifley together, magic's going to happen. Hey, Winnipeg, we'll give you CC for Line straight up. <laughs> or better, how about a Duya for Line? I wish, I wish. We could, we could send them both. Yep. So, sorry, uh, Tim, I just brought up the tweet here that I found. Now, I put this up on our Twitter, at Third Line Plug. Um, I quote tweeted from... A gentleman by the name at Stevie underscore Sauls 94. Now, he tweeted at Taggart Torrens. Just witnessed a guy hanging Christmas lights up in his tree with a hockey stick. At Canadianity level 1000. Hashtag Gordon Light Twig. Now, I quote tweeted this and I said, Any word of this person was Sean Avery at Taggart 7. Which is <laughs> Jeremy Taggart, John, Sean Avery's old roommate. Stump responded. And this is hands down the best response I could ever get. He said, no, the tree wasn't a sloppy second. Whoa! But god dang. Oh, that was so great. I just had to bring that up. And not 30 seconds la- Thirty seconds later, within the same power play, Tyler Myers scores his fifth of the season to put Winnipeg up 5 nothing. This closes out the scoring for the game. However, as far as shoot- 
And at this point, Condon is chased from the net and is replaced with uh, Craig Anderson, who uh, faces a game's worth of shots himself. In the third period, Winnipeg outshoots Ottawa 22-9. to I'm so glad that we talked about this tonight, not next week. Yeah. So, one thing going into the game is, and throughout the game, this Ottawa team is, it it's not prepared for games. Like, really, the only effective players out there tonight were Mark Stone and Thomas Shabbat. This is a team that, when it got down 3 nothing and down on a penalty, it decides a great idea is to start chirping the ref. This honestly is making me so sad right now. This is stuff that the coaching staff needs to get their players' emotions under control. Like, the, the guys aren't ready when they come on the ice, and when they are on the ice, their heads are gone. At what point does Guy Boucher just bag skate them in practice till they puke? Honestly, I don't... Part I wonder how much of it is Guy Boucher's lost the room. If you're watching the game, the Ottawa's structure was just getting pieced apart by Winnipeg. Like, every time Ottawa tried to make a structure play up the ice, the Jets knew where to be. And because they were in the right place, they were able to strip the puck and push it right back into the Senators' end. And because CC, it, the CCO Duya pairing ended up being one of the one for the first two periods was quite prominent on the ice they uh, continued to get hemmed in luckily Ottawa coaches kind of clued in that maybe the Oduya CC pairing wasn't the best idea with Cody CC, Johnny Oduya and Freddie Clayson ending up with the fewest minutes on the ice Eric Carlson ate the most ice with uh, 24 minutes, followed by Thomas Shabbat at 22. So if there's a positive out of this, it's uh, Thomas Shabbat has proved that he's really the only guy going, and I think Guy Boucher has been forced to recognize this. Yeah. And as I said, Mark Stone was the only other player who really looked like him and Pajot were the only ones who really looked like they were giving a damn out there. And uh, they were the ice time leaders among forwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but even in that losing streak, that seven-game losing streak we went on, really, Pajot and Stone were really the only guys who showed up for most of those games. Yeah, and it's good to see that Shabbat is showing up. You have to wonder after this game if a player's only meeting gets called. Oh, it absolutely has to. Because I think at now we're, what, 9, 10, and 6 or something? Yeah. Yeah, something has to change. Because if we don't get out of this, like, it's, we're in a tailspin. If we don't get out of this, we're gonna not going to be in the playoffs in April. Well, the fact of the matter is, is I think if Ottawa, lose, if Ottawa loses two or three games in California, the season's done. Yeah, because everyone else will have gained too much ground. Absolutely. Well, the, especially the teams in our division are just so much better that we can't go on these five, six game, five, six, seven game losing streaks and still make the playoffs. Well, and here's the rub: like Montreal and Boston aren't even that much better of teams. Like Montreal had an insanely weak start to the season to the point where I'm not sure they can catch Boston. Like the only two legitimately strong teams in the North in the Atlantic right now are Tampa Bay and Toronto. Yeah, I can agree with that. As much as it pains me to say uh Toronto. And here's the thing. The player like Ottawa's depth is the issue. Because Ottawa definitely has the star power. But when you have a bottom six that is Alexander Burroughs, Gabriel Dumont, Nate Thompson, who started out the season quite well, but has been hard to watch as of late. And Tom we also Pyatt. just... Well, not forget, Chris Domenico, who we also reclaimed off waivers. Yeah. Like, this is a very, very hard team to get behind when Eric Carlson isn't playing well, when Hoffman's not playing his best. It's weird to say that the person who led Ottawa in shots tonight was Tom Pyatt with three. I'm, I'm literally shaking my head right now. I can't even believe that. 
like sure mike condon only played point set had a point seven seven three save percentage uh with five goals on 20 some shots but on 22 shots but he wasn't given any defensive coverage and there were long stretches where condon was making chain saves like you can't hang this game on condon like the the chances in front of him were too good right like the way Guy Boucher preps these guys changes radically or this team isn't coming back and what's odd is these preparation problems and these penalty problems and the lack of discipline the bad changes they really started happening after after the tourist trade and during the during like immediately after coming back from Sweden mm-hmm you you have to wonder that by pulling the heart of the team out did you kill it i think so i think if if we were doing this badly after the tourist deal then yeah maybe we did matt duchene's an excellent player don't get me wrong but yeah with everything that happened with tourists maybe the team has just become either disillusioned with the coach or disillusioned with management Maybe. And when you have Carlson coming out and say, like Carlson, to his credit, he's usually a very candid, very this is what happens player. But if you have him coming out during the middle of this slump saying, show me the money. Yeah, it's not great, man. He, You have to wonder if Carlson feels that if he wants to have any leverage with the team, he has to put them like put them on, on the hot seat. Maybe. And that's not a good look. So, Tim, should we head into the close now? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sense Gas, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. Mm -hmm. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sense Cast because our bud Dave made the mention. Yes, the same bud who got me the snapback and the shot glass. We are on Google Play Music. Third Line Plug Sensecast. You can find us on Google Play Music. We are on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is the show. At M901 Honey Badger is Tim. I am Great White Gipster. G-R-8-W-Y-T-E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the past losing streak, you want to talk about how... And I forgot to mention this. I also got an Auto 67's ticket for the next day after the Sens game. Hey! Or you want to talk about wrestling, email us, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. So for the week ahead, Tim, because we already mentioned the Jets game, we are not going to talk about that next week. So which means the California road trip, Wednesday at Anaheim, Thursday in Los Angeles, and Saturday in San Jose. Hopefully the Suns have some fun in the sun. Hopefully. Before we close, Tim, can I can we just quickly talk about the I believe there's a skate outside of the Parliament buildings and a few of the former senators are confirmed to be there. Yes. So at the moment, Daniel Offertson, Chris Phillips, Patrick Laleem, and Wade Redden, I think the four of them are confirmed. Mm-hmm. Which begs and... the question now. Because one Radic Bonk is living in Ottawa now, maybe could he be confirmed for this game? Perhaps if Alexi Yashin has been asked to participate in the alumni game, nothing's off the table. Let me just... I am going to state right here, right now, if Radic Bonk is confirmed, and you know I'll be wearing my Radic Bonk jersey, I would like Radic Bonk to sign my jersey, and if that happens, I will personally go out and buy one of the, the new Sens jerseys with possibly Shabbat or... Mike Hoffman on the back. Nice. And are you going to wave your signed Bonk jersey in a one Mr. Mullet's face? Yes. Actually, you, you know what I'm going to do? Because I, you saw the photo of me with Bonk's mullet. I'm going to recreate that photo with Radic Bonk himself. Oh, that'd be amazing. It would be so awesome. Yeah. Uh. I'm, ex- I'm honestly so excited, dude. I know. Actually, so I got the really great email. My ticket's on the way now. Woo! So I had a look at the ticket. 
I am actually in the Montreal zone. Oh. And uh, I kind of had an idea of do- making a sign that says the price is wrong. Nice. <laughs> Tim, am I going to get beaten up at the Ottawa game? No, there aren't any Leafs fans there. No, well, the Hab fans are pretty bad to us. They're, they at least let us cheer in our own building. Uh, fair enough. Actually, one thing I didn't mention about the Jets game was uh, they actually had a really cool guest on before the game started. Who was this? Former Winnipeg Jets and Jets player and Senators coach Paul McClain. The Walrus? The Walrus, yeah. Uh, he spoke quite candidly about his time playing on uh, some very good Winnipeg Jets teams, as well as uh, working with Daniel Alfredson and just how strong of a captain Dan Alfie really was. Do you know who was also a former Jet? Brandy Carlisle. Huh. The more you know. Yeah. And I guess uh, with this win, uh, the the Winnipeg Jets move into first overall in the NHL. Good for you, Winnipeg. Which I do believe uh, you did, did say Winnipeg was your dark horse. Yes, they were. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up another episode of the Third Line Plug Sense Cast. Until next week, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. Woo! My time here is up. They're going home!